If you don't know me, my name is Mike McAvoy. I work with uh, Chris, with our college students here, part of University Ministries, and excited to be here today. Kind of an informal college week here at UPC as uh, we welcome our college students back. And, and so uh, on behalf of, of Thurt, myself, all of our staff with you men, uh, welcome back. If you're a student out there, we're excited to have you on campus, even if campus looks a little bit uh, virtual to you right now. Um, well, hey, I, I'm also a proud graduate of the University of Washington right next door. Uh, my wife also went there and, and she can't uh, be here today because of COVID reasons. But uh, I want to open today as we get started by showing a little picture of my family and helping introduce you uh, to some of the people that I love. Let me tell you what's going on in the photo here. You got my beautiful wife, Rachel. You got our new daughter, Kyrie, who actually just turned four months old. You got our dog Slater, certainly a part of the family. Uh, and, and, and then you, what you also are going to see in this photo is, is our firstborn daughter, Mira, um, who was born last summer um, and, and lived about nine hours before, before she passed away um, last July. And uh, it's, it's been a little bit of an interesting year for us. Mira was diagnosed with uh, with really bad kidney problems um, when Rachel was still pregnant and, and didn't survive very long on the outside. It ended up affecting a lot of her vital organs and, and she just didn't, didn't make it. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting year. It's been a hard year for our family. Um, I've wrestled a lot with, uh, with God and, and what he's been doing uh, in our life. And you know, there's a reason why I haven't preached here at UPC in, in over a year, um, but I am excited uh, to be back. I'm, we're people that have engaged this loss in our life. She's a part of our life. She will always be uh, our daughter and a part of our story. So uh, I want you to know that uh, you should never have a problem um, asking about her, talking to us about her. Uh, she's a part of our family who we love and, and love to talk about. Uh, also, you may have noticed in that photo if you're, you know, really pay attention to details and you might be too polite to ask, but yes, Rachel is pregnant in that photo. Uh, and now we're actually 25 weeks pregnant. Uh, we got another baby girl on the way um, that's coming in January. We're super excited. You can be praying for us. We're praying for the health of, of this baby girl as uh, our last pregnancy did not go as, as we hoped it, it would. But um, but yeah, we're excited uh, to add another girl to the family. That'll be three girls. We're a, we're a girl family. Uh, and, and, and Rachel and I like to say that we mourn one, we hold one, and we grow one of our daughters right now. And uh, so there you go. There's my family. I want to show another picture. Let's go one more of Kyrie, just because here's a more recent one of her uh, at four months. She's, uh, she's starting to hold that head up high. Oh, ridiculously cute. Oh, goodness. Let me tell you something about Kyrie. Lately, okay, she's figuring out lately, um, like eye contact is her big thing. She can hear my voice as I come in the room. So she's with her mom and, and I come in the room and she, she hears my voice. She looks over and she will track me all across the room. And when you're with her, when you're holding her, man, she just wants that eye contact all the time, which is, oh, it's so great. I love it as a parent. I will say though, it has exposed a way of thinking that I had a big mistake that I made in parenting. Rachel just started going back to work. And, and, and at first I thought, oh, it'll be fine. 
I can, I can take Kyrie, I can take care of her, and I can get my work done at the same time. I can be on Zoom calls here at the church and I can take care of her. Yeah, that, that, if you're a parent, or, that does not happen, uh, especially with how much eye contact she wants. And when you look away, uh, she knows it. Um, so let me just say this. This is a season that I have not been nearly as productive as I thought I would be. Uh, and the reason for that, I guess, is not the worst in the world. But I do think this is a little bit of a universal thing right now. I think a lot of us are experiencing this, this thought that we're not as productive as we want to be. We, we're not getting as much done. We thought, you know, we could do more. Maybe we thought we'd even have more time in this season uh, where we're at home a lot. Um, but, but for a lot of us, you know, feeling worn down um, is, is something that, you know, is, is really fatiguing us and, and making us not get as much done as, as we... Uh, as we thought we could. So if that's you, you're in good company today. Welcome. We're excited that you're here. Uh, I'm excited to continue on our series today that uh, George has been taking us through the last couple weeks, going through the 10 commandments. Okay. It's a series uh, called 10 and these commandments that God gives to his people, the Israelites in the book of Exodus um, are more than just rules. Okay. So when we When we go to these commandments, I don't want you to think about these rules that we need to follow in order to be in a relationship with God, okay? These rules are not a condition for a relationship, but the rules are actually a confirmation that a relationship exists, okay? It's the same reason why I don't walk across the street and and see my neighbor's kids and, and, you know, see them misbehaving and go, hey, you know, I I don't make rules for them. I don't tell them what time bedtime is. Uh, They're not my kids, even if I wanted to make those rules. I make rules for my kids. Um, and, and what that shows is it's, it's a confirmation that that relationship exists. It's also a confirmation of love and that I want the best for them. And these commandments from God are a confirmation of his love for us, that he wants to experience the fullness of life in him. They're not to hold us back, but rather to understand what fullness in life looks like. And, and they point forward to Jesus Okay, and the, and the life that we find in him. So even today, as, as we dive in to our third commandment, I want you to think about it through the lens of how does this point us forward to experience the fullness of life in Jesus? What's the truth in here for us today? Well, I want to jump into this third commandment. It is week three after all. And, and so um, uh, we're going we're gonna to jump right in today. Um, The third commandment comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse seven. And it says this, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Okay. Another translation says, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably have heard this term before. Don't take the the Lord's name in vain. And also, if you grew up in church, you probably were told that what this means is that when you stub your toe or hit yourself with a hammer by accident, that you should not say Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus Christ is not a cuss word for you to say when something bad happens. And also, when all the other kids at school are saying, oh my God, you, as a Christian, should be saying, oh my gosh. Instead, you got to turn that a little bit. Well, hey, I'm not against anybody not using the name of God as a curse word. But the heart of of this commandment about not misusing God's name is really about so much more than that. Okay, there's so much more. 
When God says you should not misuse my name, okay, what he's saying is that he doesn't want us to attach his name to things that are not actually of him. Okay, in fact, the literal translation in the Hebrew says it, it speaks to how we carry the name of God into the world with us. Okay, so as we talk about carrying the name of God, we're talking about both our language, the way that we speak about God and use his name, and our lifestyle, the way that as followers of Jesus, our life represents the teaching of God. And so today I want to talk about both these things and why this commandment is such a big deal to God. You know, with university ministries, we have a new team of interns that just started uh, about a month ago. We're super excited for them. We have seven new interns on our team. They're a great team. And a lot of people applied for these intern spots. Uh, and part of the application process uh, is that they have to get letters of recommendation from people in their life. And one of our interns, Sam, who comes from our sister ministry down at the University of Colorado in Boulder and was really involved in their campus ministry there. Well, when he applied, he didn't just get a letter of recommendation, okay? But the director of the ministry down there that he was a part of actually called me and talked to me about Sam. Okay, he called me and says, hey, it would be a huge mistake if you did not hire this guy. And and the guy who's the, the director of the ministry is a guy named Dave, who has been a good friend of mine. In fact, we went to college together and we've both been working in campus ministry for the last 14 years as kind of partners and, and allies and what we're doing. And I respect Dave a lot. And so when, when he says that, that he recommends somebody, I know that Dave knows what it takes to be successful in this job. So his words carry a ton of weight with them. When Dave puts his name behind someone, that person, you know, that, that recommendation comes with a lot of weight. So now, Sam, it's up to you to live up to those high expectations. I'm just kidding. Well, kind of, I guess. Okay, here's where I'm going with this. This is the point. If, if Dave, Sam, you don't have to be all world everything, but if Dave tells me that Sam is a hard worker and very coachable and he gets here and it's obvious that he's neither of those things, well, then all of a sudden, the next time Dave recommends somebody, it's not going to mean as much. His words aren't going to mean as much. If he attaches his name to someone, that's not going to mean as much anymore. I go, is that trustworthy? You know, one of the parts about being a college pastor is you get a lot of students that want you to write them a letter of recommendation. And there have been a few students over the years that have asked me for a letter of rec. And I've thought, I don't know if I can give you one. It's sad to say, it's hard to say, but I want my name to mean something. And I know if I attach it to some people, it's not going to mean as much. That's what we do when we write a letter of recommendation. We're putting our name on them and we want our name to mean something. Remember, when we look at the Bible, okay, especially the Old Testament, we talk about name. It's not just a label, okay? Don't think about it just as, as this label of, of a person, but the name really was an identity, okay? If you think about it, you, you know, you have Abram who God blesses and says, you're now gonna be a father of, of all these nations and I'm changing your name to Abraham and I'm changing your name because Abraham means 
father of many. I'm changing your name and I'm changing your identity. He does the same thing with Jacob, a name that means deceiver. He takes it and he changes it to the name Israel, okay? Which means to wrestle with God because he had literally wrestled with the angel of God. He's changing the name and he's changing their identity. Okay, it's a big deal. God doesn't want his name or his identity just to be thrown around flippantly or just used to add weight to what we say just because we want it to be more powerful. Um, when, I was a, when I was a sophomore in college here at University of Washington, I was dating a girl and we had been dating for about a year and I loved this girl. I thought we were gonna get married. I was very, I was very confident in that. Uh, we even talked about marriage as, as sophomores in college. And one day after about a year, she comes to me and out of the blue says, hey, I think we should break up. I feel like God is leading me to break up with you. And I was stunned. I did not see this coming. In fact, I thought, uh, God, how come you were telling me that we should be together and getting me really excited about this and then telling her that we should not be together? It made me question a lot what God was saying. Now, now I don't know, okay? I can't say for sure whether God was telling her that or whether that was just her, you know, using God as a scapegoat. But I do know something is that for a lot of us, we do that. We use God as this way out, as this trump card we can play where we say, oh, God is telling me to say this, okay? Without really knowing whether that's true, just because it's really hard to argue against. How do we argue against somebody when they say, God is telling me this? You know, it, it happens there. It also happens a lot when people don't know how to handle things. Let me tell you about what it's like to lose a child. A lot of people want to try to make things better. They don't want you to feel as sad. And there's so much unknown. There's so much that, that, that can't be explained about, about why a child would die. And, and so a lot of times people say things with good intentions, but that aren't actually that helpful. They say things like, oh, you know, it's okay. God just wanted another angel. Now, here's what I don't like about this. Okay, it's really hard for me when we attach God's name to things that, that are, are, are so not of him. It's okay to not know what to say. It's okay to be around somebody and, and, and be confused and say, man, this is really tough. And I don't know why that would happen to them. But it's not okay to attach God's name to things like the, the death of an innocent child that he's so obviously not for. God grieves and mourns the death of our child. Yes, there's evil in this world. Yes, God allows that evil to exist. Yes, he gives us the free will to make tons of choices in life that choose good or choose evil. But to attach his name to death as an intention for him? Death is the very thing that God came to this earth to die on a cross to, to, to put away with. He came to destroy death in a way that wouldn't also destroy us. We should be careful not to use God's name flippantly. You know, when we use the term taking the Lord's name in vain, I want you to think about vanity, 
for a second, okay? Vain vanity, this idea about centering ourselves, that we can use God's name at times to push forward our own agenda and get what we want. We see this all over the place. When slavery was starting in America, in fact, it was local pastors, okay, who used God's name to back up slavery, to keep black people enslaved by telling them that this was God's will. And by, by, by telling white people who wanted to free slaves that it was, it was okay because this was God's will for them to be enslaved. You see the power? You see the power that attaching God's name to something can have? That something so obviously not of God, that we have a God that is about liberating the oppressed, and yet people are attaching his name to keeping people in bondage. We do this today. I mean, we still see systems in place today that people use God's name to back up systems of racial injustice and oppression. As people of God, as Christians, this should make us furious that people take the name of our God and, and attach it to things that so are not of him. I'll tell you... I'll tell you where this makes me really nervous right now as a pastor. This makes me really nervous in, in, in our political landscape right now. I'm not going to get in to any politics issues today because that's probably not helpful for us. But it is really hard. It's hard to see people making villains of those on the other side of the aisle right now. It's hard for people saying a lot of very hateful and doing a lot of hateful things and using the Lord behind those things. Now, I know what you're thinking when I start saying something like politics is we immediately, our mind goes to those that think differently than us. In fact, some of you are on board with this message, but you're on board maybe for the wrong reason right now. You're thinking, yep, Mike, I am with you. I'm with you right now. All the, the conservatives, they're the ones who use God's name and attach it to things that aren't of his. Or, yep, Mike, I see. I see progressive people doing this all the time. Yep, we can't be having them take God's name and attach it to things that aren't of his. Man, isn't it easier? This is way easier to see the way other people do this than to actually look inside and, and, and see how we might do this. I want to tell you, if you thought this message was for somebody else right now, quit nudging the person next to you and tell them to pay attention. This is for you right now. In John Mark Comer's book uh, called God Has a Name, he talks about a... a uh, a professor of, of his, a friend of his in Chicago who uh, teaches a New Testament class to college students. And every year at the beginning of the class, the first thing he does is he gives them this test, this survey, and he has them fill out all these questions um, about what do you think that God is like? How would God handle this specific situation? What's God's character like? How would God vote on these issues or for these people? And then a little while later, he gives them the same test, but he rewords everything so they can't tell it's the same, but essentially asks them the same questions saying, how do you think 
uh, what, how would you vote on this issue or who would you vote for? What would you do in this situation? And when he gets the results back, wouldn't you know it? About 90% of the time, the answers to what God would do and what we would do are exactly the same. Now, what does this tell us? I'll tell you, my fear, okay, is that, is that what it tells us is that for most of us, as we come to scripture, we're just looking to, to, to use God to back up what we already believe. We're not letting it transform who we are. We're just looking for confirmation of the things that we already think, that God created us in his image, and now we are turning and creating a God in our image. That's right, UPC, I'm coming to your house today, okay? How do we know that we do this? I'll tell you how we know we do this. When God all of a sudden starts sounding just like us, when God thinks just like us, when God would vote just like us, when God gets annoyed at the, at the lady down the street the same way that we get annoyed at the lady down the street. And we wake up one day and we realize that we stopped coming to Jesus a long time ago with the humility to learn more about him and discover who he is. And now we just want him to, to get us the stuff that we really want. Are we coming to God with these open hands saying, God, what is your will? Show me your will so I can do it. Or are we just using God? Are we taking God and, and, and pulling him, dragging him with us so that he can help us get this thing that we want? I'm going to leave us with this image here of, of, of pulling God. So many of us uh, just, just want God to back up us getting the thing that we want him to help us get. You know, as we move forward, start to change our mind and start to think, okay, then what does it mean? What does it mean for us to attach God's name to things that are of him? What does it mean for us to carry his name with integrity into the world? Well, uh, in John 14, 9 and 10, Jesus is talking, okay? And he says to Philip, he says this, <coughs> excuse me, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the father living in me who is doing his work. What we see in Jesus shows us the father. Now, if we want to attach God's name to something, that something should be consistent with the life and the teaching of Jesus. It is the best and most clear picture we have about what the name of God is all about. And we don't have time today for me to get into everything that Jesus is or isn't about. But let me tell you, as we pick up the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
and look again at Jesus? How can we look and see who he is and what things he were, was about, not just opening it up to try to find things that, that reinforce our own picture? As we do, we need to understand how much our own cultural identity comes into play here and, and how that has given us a certain view and a value set that might tell us more about our own culture than it does about the kingdom of God. This is why this is so important. The way that the world is supposed to see what Jesus, what, what God is like is by looking at Jesus and looking at the people of God. We look at Jesus so we can get a better understanding of God and so that we can represent God out in the world. As God's people, we are called by his name. So everywhere we go, whether we choose to or not, every place we walk, we carry the name of God. So when you're going to the store, when you're walking on to campus, when you're getting on a Zoom call with, with your, your grandkids or your coworkers or your classmates, you're not just doing those things. With every step you take, you are carrying the name of God. And that is why the third commandment is such a big deal. I want to finish with this today. If you're on, if you're watching this live stream right now, if you're here and, and you don't know who Jesus is, you don't have a relationship with, with this Jesus, I want you to know something. When we talk about God, okay, it's so important that God even has a name. Because here we don't worship or believe in just a, a set of rules or principles. We don't believe in doctrine. We don't believe in a feeling. Okay? We have a God who is a personal God. He's a relational being with a name. And he doesn't just want us to know things about him, but he actually desires a relationship with us. That relationship with the living God is one that has absolutely transformed my life. And so many others that are, that are, that are tuning in to this live stream right now. And no matter where you are, where you're coming from, what you believe, we are so happy you're here with us and you are welcome no matter who you are and what you think. But there is nothing that I want more for you than to come and, and, and discover a transforming relationship with Jesus that will change everything about you. So if you're interested today, in discovering more uh, about Jesus. I, you know, I just want you to go to the website on the screen, upc.org slash Jesus. I know that seems impersonal. I'm not trying just to guide you to a website. The reason why is because we want to connect you with, with myself or one of our people on staff here. And, and, and there's nothing that would make our month more exciting than to talk to you a little bit more about Jesus and what this relationship with him can look like. It's a relationship with our living God, who comes in the person of Jesus Christ to show us more about what he is like so that we can know Jesus and that we can carry his love with us out into the world.
Let me pray. Lord Jesus, God, I pray that we could take seriously what it means to represent your name. God, as you put your name on things, as you put your name on us, God, when we think about those things that we put our name on, God, what a big deal that is. So would you help us? Would you help us out today? Be filled with your spirit, God, so that we can discover what things really are about you and where we might be just a little bit off in the things that we're attaching your name to. God, would we see that, that what you do in this commandment is set us free <laughs> to find truth in you and find a joy in knowing you that can transform our lives. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.